I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Event. I'm your host. And on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from The Cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, I thought today was a good day, episode 79, why the hell not, to introduce myself to you guys. I feel like you've come to learn a lot about me just by listening to this podcast. You can probably listen to one episode and kind of get a gist of who I am, but I thought I would maybe just do a little autobiographical delve back into my life. (laughs) So my name is Bailey Ford. My middle name is Evan, which is why I go by Bailey Evan on the internet, and I'm 32 years old. I live in West Palm Beach, Florida. I live with my sister and my Gergi. He's a Pomeranian. I've loved pop culture for as long as I can remember. Juliana Rancic had my dream job when I was in like middle school. I just was like, oh, I want to do that. I want to be on E. And then when I was in college, all I cared about was reading Perez Hilton and I thought he was so mean and I was like, I want to be the nice Perez Hilton. And even though I can be a bitch on here sometimes, I like to think I kind of abide by that. I am also a lawyer. Uh, I hate being a lawyer, which is why I would really like it if you share this podcast with a friend and spread the love so that maybe one day I don't have to be a lawyer anymore. It really just doesn't speak to my heart, you know, in the same way that dissecting the love triangle of the driver's license song does. It's just not the same for me. But I would say having my legal background, I've actually been a lawyer for six years, which is hard to believe. It does help me even just understand when there's legal proceedings going on that play into pop culture. And I feel like can give me kind of a different lens to view things through, which I find beneficial. Uh, On top of that, I love a good cocktail. I've been trying to cut down on my drinking lately and not binge drink, but damn, I love a margarita, espresso martini, a dirty martini, probably in that order. I love making like elaborate cooking projects. I am also very single, single like a Pringle, and I've always been single. I've never officially had a boyfriend, um, never been on a real date. So any suitors listening, get in the DMs. Just kidding. Like literally my whole listenership is mainly female. But, you know, if you have an eligible bachelor down here in South Florida, you can send him my way. But that being said, I'm actually very happy being a single lady and I like my life. I've also been a homeowner and a landlord since I was 27, which I know is not like a huge deal and a lot of people are homeowners, but being a landlord has definitely been an eye-opening experience and there has been some blood, sweat, and tears that went into this house. So I feel like that's been kind of a big part of my life lately, but I think that's enough for today. Anything else, you know, little stories sprinkled in here and there, you'll get to know me even better, but those are just the basics I wanted to tell you guys about this week. It's like that kind of sum it up. (laughs) for you yes and oh I was also I was an anthropology major in college and while I don't remember anything that was taught to me I like to think that I love pop culture because it is its own anthropology we can view the world through pop culture in so many ways and as much as people want to dismiss it as frivolous or a guilty pleasure or something that only women care about it's so much more than that. And I never want people to feel like it's a guilty pleasure to listen to this podcast. It's just be a pleasure. There's no shame around liking celebrity culture and dissecting it and getting really into it. And so welcome to Kind of Cute. I hope you like it here. Get get cozy. 
All right, so we can get into our actual episode today. I want to just touch on the Golden Globes. I didn't finish them all. I'm notorious for like stopping the Golden Globes once it, or any award show once it hits roughly 10 p.m. Like if it starts at eight, I can make it about two hours and then anything that comes after that is just a no-go for me. The things that really stood out to me was Tracy Morgan announcing that Soul won the best uh, animated movie and he said Sal and it was like so cute but I felt so bad for him because like I am the queen of fucking up saying things on this podcast and you know he was all under a lot of pressure and you know there is that show Better Call Sal and whatever like he was oh that's what I meant that's what he said but he said no, Saul. He said okay, you know what? He said Saul, like Howl with an S. Whatever. It's still not as bad as when John Travolta called Adina Menzel Adele Dezim or something <laughs> like that. She messed up her entire performance of Let It Go because she was so thrown off. You could see in her eyes how thrown off she was that he messed up her name that much. Uh, I should also add, I meant to, I said I live with my sister, but who you're hearing is my de facto producer because she sits here and fills in when I can't remember the name of things. And she is 25 years old. She's a Taurus. I'm a Capricorn. Let's just add that in there. Uh, it's a very earth sign house we've got here. My dog is also a Capricorn. Anyways, just to give some background, because sometimes I realize Kenzie just comes on the mic and you might be like, who the hell is that? So that is Kenzie. Uh Jason Sudeikis won Best Actor, and he was there in a hoodie. It was tie-dye. It said Ford on it. I don't know if that's for a charity or what, but that was kind of one of the main talking points that came out of the Globes because he seemed high as hell. I will give him the benefit of the doubt that I think he was in London, so there was a bit of a time change for him. So I would. it was probably like 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning his time. But he seemed like a recent divorcee. And as we know, if you listen, him and Olivia Wilde were not actually married. But I would think it was pretty akin to going through a divorce when they broke up. Well, I think they were, they were engaged and they had two children. They were together for 10 years. So, yes, you right. Yeah. Uh, so he just seemed completely out of it. At one point, Don Cheadle's telling him to wrap it up because he's just kind of rambling on. I mean, it was... It was a little bit of a train wreck, but I find him very endearing. And while I don't think I'm going to watch Ted Lasso, I did hear it's very good, and that's what he won for. Oh, Ted Lasso's so good. Okay, Kenzie's saying it's good. Uh, Rosamund Pike, like, dragged the American legal system because if you've seen her movie, I care a lot. Like, she was probably in the right to be dragging <laughs> But she took some punches. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy also won a Best Actress Award, and she, um, she looked stunning. She looked like... Legolas mixed with uh what's her name Liv Tyler's with Arwen Arwen yeah. see this I can count on her for the nerdy name shit um she looked stunning though I loved her look she was probably like my best dressed of the night I have to say there was so many little awkward moments having a zoom awards and this was actually the first zoom awards I had watched because I didn't watch the Emmys which happened in September and they were on zoom but there were some benefits to it. Like, I really liked that we didn't get that awkward hugging the person next to you and then the awkward silence as you're walking up to stage. I mean, I can't even imagine how nerve wracking that would be. That is literally the last thing I would want to do. And I'm sure you're just riding a high and the adrenaline's going. But I know I would pull a Jennifer Lawrence and fall on my ass and it definitely wouldn't be for publicity. I would just be that fucking clumsy and I would never live it down. So I feel like, you know, Zoom troubles and 
issues with the mute button better than having to walk up on the stage and there really were some hilarious moments with like zoom malfunctions like to me it was one of the more entertaining award shows I've watched in a while I know that's not saying much and I still didn't finish it but I just wanted to point that out that it wasn't like a total bust and I was kind of expecting it would be like Daniel Kaluuya was like the first guy to win he was he was in the first category and yeah he was literally like 30 to 45 seconds deep in his speech and then Laura Dern is like we can't hear him so we're gonna go on and then he finally comes through he's like oh you guys did me dirty you guys have been muting me the whole time he he recovered really well he was just like he had this like y'all try to fuck me out of my speech and then he just went on and he killed it um so congrats to him I this is like back to me I'm sorry I'm just having a really self-indulgent intro this week and talking about myself but it's my fucking podcast so (laughs) um I got my Peloton last week to sound like the true obnoxious millennial that I am I talked about this on my YouTube channel which you can also follow at Bailey Evan but I haven't talked about it on here and I've been really liking it so far but the only reason I'm talking about this is not because I'm going to come on here and like tell you about my workouts it's because I made a a tag hashtag kind of cute podcast so if you have a peloton and want to follow me i made kenzie follow me right now she's my only follower on peloton and we're the only followers of that tag but if you want to join the party and get a little booty action going on i would really love to see you there so hashtag kind of cute podcast and you can follow me at bailey evan and you can follow kenzie at kenzie ecker if you would like Speaking of driver's license, three ways that we spoke about earlier, Olivia Rodrigo, you know, she was the girl who sang driver's license. She's the one who started all of the drama. She had an interview with radio.com. And just to refresh your memory, Sabrina Carpenter was like the alleged nemesis, the one she's talking about in the song that kind of seems to have like stolen her boyfriend. And then there was drama because Sabrina Carpenter came out with skin and called called it out for like using the word blonde. And we talked about how this was all very clearly manufactured drama. But I thought Olivia's response was very interesting because when she was asked to respond to the skin track by Sabrina Carpenter, she said, I actually don't know her at all. I think we've met once or twice in passing, but I've never had a conversation with her. So I don't think I could write a song that was meaningful or emotional about somebody that I don't know. But I think artists should be able to write about whatever they want to write about. I like how she like recovers right there at the end. Like it's like this very hardcore shade. Like I don't even know who that girl is when it's like, girl, you know, you know, she was in those TikToks with Joshua Bassett and you know. So I think that I don't know if she's trying to stir the pot more, get them back in the the public eye, but she went there. That's a very Gen Z comment, if I do say so myself. That's a, well, I mean, I think I'm a little too mature for all of this because I don't even know her. <laughs> okay, Kenzie likes to drag the Gen Zers. It's because she's a millennial, so she I'm feels like she can. And also, like, I don't know, like, they they got a toot sometimes, you know? Yeah, I, I like to think this is Olivia trying to get on Taylor Swift's good side. And she knows that Taylor doesn't want girl-on-girl drama. And so she's kind of trying to be, like, above it and be like, mm, I don't I don't know her, you know? It's like an easy out. Because I think if she had, she probably is right. She probably doesn't know her. And if she had said something like, "Oh, I really like the song" or whatever, I think that would have read a little bit fake. So I think this was probably a safe answer for her, uh, and probably not that calculated. 
Hannah Burner from Summer House is engaged and that just seemed like a whirlwind thing because it's very jarring watching her on TV being like in love with Luke and obviously this was filmed you know a while ago but it still was you know it was filmed in 2020 so it wasn't that long ago and now she is engaged to a 44 year old comedian and they seem to be really into each other I'm very happy for it but again it is like it really kind of tunes you into that reality tv lens when you're like wow like this what you're watching on tv can be so drastically different than the current day reality these people are living so I just wanted to throw that out there. I don't know how many summer fans or summer house fans are in the house. Did you guys hear they're doing a winter house allegedly? And they're supposed to be bringing in some Southern charm people and summer house people. So, you know, I will be lapping that up. I don't, I'm not proud of it, but I will be. <laughs> I was also just talking about Taylor in relation to uh, Olivia Rodrigo. And I said that about Olivia caring what Taylor thinks because it's been kind of documented that Taylor is very supportive of Olivia's career right now. And they have the singer songwriter thing going on. So, you know, I love a Taylor Swift segue. I feel like I can't go one episode with talking without talking about Taylor Swift because she's really been inserting herself in the media lately more than she normally has. And I think that is because of all of her albums that have been coming out. I still stand by something is going to be coming out on March 10th, which is fast approaching. Um, so there is a show called Jenny and Georgia. It's 10 episodes long and they're all like an hour long and Kenzie and I binged them all this week. And the reason we started watching was because of this Taylor Swift drama. And then I got so involved in this CW ABC family adjacent show that I couldn't stop. And it's, it's, I want to say it's so bad that it's good, but it's not in the same realm of a so bad it's good. It's like it actually is kind of good, but there's so many weird problematic things and there's so many unlikable characters that it just makes you scratch your head a little bit. But I'm talking about Taylor, not Jenny and Georgia. So in the very last episode, episode 10, Jenny says to her mom, who's very close in age with her because her mom was a teen mom. I think she had her when she was 15. So they're they're actually at an age where they're about double in age. Jenny is 15. Her mom, Georgia, is 30. And Jenny says to Georgia, what do you care? You go through men faster than Taylor Swift. And then Taylor Swift tweets on her official Twitter, hey, Jenny and Georgia, 2010 called and it wants its lazy deeply sexist joke back how about we stop degrading hard-working women by defining this horse shit as funny mind you funny is capital f lowercase u capital n lowercase n capital y so she really was emphasizing the funny and then she ends with this also netflix after miss americana which p.s was her documentary on netflix this outfit doesn't look cute on you broken heart emoji happy women's history month i guess Oh, she came in with the daggers. I would love to see what the higher ups at Netflix sent her after this tweet came out. I am guessing <clears throat> like Kanye West level roses, like a huge, big thing of them, maybe something a little less feminine to not like play into sexist vibes, but something along those lines. And I'm sure she got personally reached out to by like the CEO of Netflix, like People, big companies, don't get it twisted. They want, they need Taylor Swift to be in their, side. on their side. Yeah. So 
that's that. I just thought that was a little bit interesting because last week we were talking about the Evermore theme park, which I'm still very intrigued to see where that goes. So one of the things that has been very, very talked about in pop culture this week, and there was three articles on the cut about this within within the past couple of days, and I very consciously chose not to to pull any of those articles to talk about this episode because this is a subject that I've really struggled with my own feelings about and how I want to kind of play into how this is playing out. And this is about Harry and Meghan Markle. Kenzie, is Harry's last, like, does he go by Harry Windsor? I think their official name is Windsor, but I never hear them go by a last Like, what are they, because I'm like, he's technically not Prince Harry anymore because they've, they're no longer officially royals. I guess it must be Harry Windsor. Yeah, so Harry Windsor and Meghan Markle, because I don't believe she ever took his name. No. Okay, so they are doing a tell-all TV special. It's already been taped with Oprah that comes out on March 7th, which is this Sunday. It's on CBS. Um, So if you want to tune in, I'm sure it'll be really interesting. And they've been kind of doing a little bit of press rounds because Harry was on the James Corden show. Um. But I think like the really juicy emotional stuff is going to come out in the Oprah episode. And the reason that there's been so many stories out this, I think, is partially because kind of riding the coattails of the hype of this Oprah interview coming out. And as a reminder, Oprah actually became friends with Meghan Markle's mom. And like we talked about that on here, like would invite her over, give her like citrus from her yard. So I'm sure that Oprah was someone they felt very comfortable doing this interview with beyond the fact that she is just Oprah. And I feel like she is the pinnacle of who you would want to do an interview with. But I think, you know, they have a friendship, which I think will add an interesting element to this. And there has been a lot of bad press about Megan coming out recently. And that's part of why there's been so many cut articles, because it's just been negative stuff saying that she was a bully to her staff. It was things we heard about, you know, years ago, like when her and Harry were first married and living in uh, Frogmore. So... It's nothing new, but the timing of it is interesting. And then you have this other camp of people who are slamming this interview coming out this weekend when Prince Philip, who is 99 years old, is currently hospitalized. Uh, So they're just saying it's kind of in bad taste. But I don't, you know, who knows when Meghan and Harry actually recorded this interview. I mean, it's probably somewhere on the Internet, but it's not like this is a live interview. It was pre-recorded. I would assume they have very little say in when it was going to come out beyond they might have known it was coming out this weekend but that might have been before prince philip was even hospitalized so i just i don't know how much that that this should come down on them and at the end of the day i feel like cbs is probably the one who's in charge of deciding when this is going to air and it's all these contractual things and licensing issues and i just don't think this is like in my opinion, I don't think this is Harry and Meghan's fuck you to Prince Philip, who is very ill in the hospital. And as I was telling Kenzie the other day, I would say it's probably very unlikely he is going to make it out. I mean, he really is the roach that doesn't die, but he is very, and I'm, I'm, I don't mean that to like speak ill of him when he's in the hospital, but like he is 99 years old and like keeps hanging in there. And mm-hmm. I think it's like at this age when you're in the hospital for something as serious as he is and he's having heart issues, like I the chances of him being in a good spot after this are pretty low. I mean, he made it to 99. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I, the reason I struggle with this is because 
my opinion on this, and maybe I will recant this, maybe I will, my opinion will change. But the way I stand on it is I don't care if Megan was like the biggest see you next Tuesday to ever exist and she treated everyone like shite. Let's like let's for a moment imagine that is true. I don't think she deserves at all the press and the vitriol that has been thrown at her. Because at the end of the day, even if you're just a huge see you next Tuesday, if you're not you know, hurting anyone, sexually abusing anyone. I just don't think you, you deserve this level of scrutiny. And I, I know the flip side of that is, well, she knew what she was getting herself into when she married Prince Harry and she chose this life. But I think choosing that life and for one, A, I think she's truly in love with him. And B, I just hate that argument because when you choose a life in the spotlight, You're not choosing to be harassed every day of your life. And I'm sure she thought that she would get some protection from the palace itself, when in reality, I feel like they kind of turned their back on her. And she really is the Diana of our day in the way that Diana was just harassed to her death. And you would think with everything coming out with Britney, with there being a little bit more scrutiny over how the media treats women to this day, it's not like this was just happening back in 2007 when Britney was going through her shit. This shit still happens today. I just think there would be a little more awareness from the media, a little bit more compassion. And hopefully this Oprah interview, maybe that will give it to them. Maybe And she's cried on interviews before talking about how much this stuff affects her. But I'm hoping that this will give a little bit more empathy and compassion from the world, from the media, and not make this the same shit that Diana had to go through. Did you have a thought, Kenzie? Well, yeah. I just feel that, like, Megan gets – I agree with you. Even if she is, like, rude. Like, if she doesn't hurt anyone, like, whatever. And also, I just feel like there's always been so much comparison to Kate – um, with her and I just feel that honestly I know it's just because William and Harry are the only two sons of Charles and Diana like there's no daughters so you can't compare it but it's like I do not think that these that had like let's say Harry and William were women and they married men these men would not get the same scrutiny oh no way and I think she's got even more scrutiny from being a black woman being a woman in Hollywood being an American I mean it was a perfect storm of people to just think that she's somehow less than and it's just it really rubs me the wrong way and I know I'm not alone in that sentiment but it's actually part of the reason I don't talk a ton about Megan and Harry on here because I find royal stuff very fascinating even though I haven't seen the crown which I feel a little bit slacker not doing that oh and I forgot to say in my intro I actually when I was a little kid when I was about six years old I lived in England for a year I love British culture I've been back a few times my sister went to St. Andrews in Scotland for school I visited her there a couple times I love the culture there I love I love it I'm so even though there is issues with the royal family like I'm very interested in these lives they live you know in the pomp and circumstance of it all so I don't know I can't I'm definitely I will talk about the Oprah interview because I'm very excited to watch that this weekend but we can finally get into our first cut article of the day and Kenzie I'm very excited about this one I like want your input on it for sure so it's called I wish I had a creepy room behind my bathroom mirror by Amanda Arnold And as she writes, this is a TikTok series that has gone viral. It's by a woman of the name of Samantha Hartso. 
And she investigates why it is that when she enters the windowless bathroom of her New York City apartment, she is confronted by such strong gusts of cold wind that her hair blows. Okay, so I want to walk them through these tweets. So the very first one, you see Samantha, she's filming herself. She's like, guys, I just like walk in my bathroom and there's this cold gust of wind that's constantly coming through. And she's like, I held my hand over the little key, the keyhole. What do you call a thing that like the, the door notches into? <laughs> the key whatever the door hole the door hole she feels the she feels air coming out of that and then upon closer inspection she realized the air is also coming out from behind her window so she decides to remove the window Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, thank there's you. See, no, this is... There's no other... There's, she has the heat on. There is absolutely no wind anywhere else in her apartment blowing. Her AC is not on nothing. She has checked everything. So this is what makes it creepy. Yes, and I'm sorry I keep saying window. This is why Kenzie's here. Her mirror. It's her bathroom mirror. So she takes the bathroom mirror off because it's not one of those ones you can just, you know, open. So she takes it off the wall. And there's a cut out not very big about the size of like a picture frame because it's smaller the cutout is smaller than the mirror and she looks in and there's like a whole kind of like room she sees and it at first when you're looking on the tiktok it looks kind of like um not necessarily a room but like a crawl space is like what it looked like at first and i was like oh okay that's bizarre because you would think like new york wouldn't want to waste like a cent of square footage but Upon further investigation, in the next TikTok story, she crawls in the mirror, the mirror hole. (laughs) And her friends are with her. Thank God. She puts on one of those little um, head things you put around that has the light on it. A headlamp. (laughs) The language is escaping me today, as usual. So she crawls in. She can't fit, like her booty won't fit in the hole. I mean, my, I wouldn't, one of my butt cheeks would not fit in that hole. So she somehow contorts her body. She gets in the hole and then she's filming. And guys, it is not just a crawl space. It is a whole freaking like mirror of another apartment. It is like the, uh, the movie us, like the, the upside down area, you know, the, what do they call it? You've never seen that movie. (laughs) It is like that because it's like a mirror of the apartment because the part that's attached to her bathroom is another bathroom. And you can tell because it has the bathroom lights still attached to it. And then it leads out into a full other freaking apartment. There's this little staircase. There's a staircase. Yeah. Like I think it's even bigger than her apartment. Yeah. And it's just like completely like empty, like empty and boarded up and her friend is so funny he's like have you seen parasite and they're like oh my god like someone could legitimately live in this little house this little apartment it's not even little it's big it's a full apartment it's a good apartment like i would fucking want that if i lived in new york i mean it would be a good 3k in new york like no god yeah holy shit that place was roomy i tell you roomy yeah so I don't know. I was just, I was mind blown. Go watch her TikTok. Let me know if you've discovered a little room behind your mirror. I mean, I just, my mind's still kind of blown by it. And I don't know if we've, her last part was her just exploring the room and being like, I'm going to have a talk with my landlord tomorrow. But I want to know the reasoning behind it. Like, why was this apartment just completely boarded up and forgotten about? Yeah. It is a. 
rats in there. I was like, she's going to come across a, a rat or two. Didn't didn't film any. But then I told Bailey, I was like, well, shit, she should just renovate this herself. Keep it a secret. And she's got twice the amount of square footage. Yeah, I was like, don't tell your landlord. Take that TikTok down. Landlord, what? Yeah, I mean, it would be a little inconvenient to, like, consistently crawl through that little uh, hole. But, yeah, it was not, it was, like, in, it was in not the best shape, but also not, like, decrepit, you know? It was just kind of dirty. It was dirty. There was, yeah. There was, there was some do- drywall. It looked like old drywall. It looked like old renovations that hadn't been fully cleaned up. Yeah. Uh, so, that's that. Again, if New Yorkers, come at me. All right, next up, beige ambition. Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen grew up to make New York's most desirable clothes, but can even perfection survive the pandemic by Matthew Schneier. So Mary Kay and Ashley started the row back in around 2007, and it was kind of their departure from the bubblegum childhood they had grown up with. But obviously at that point, they already were multimillionaires. They had lines with Walmart. They had their whole Mary Kate movie, all all of them, the ones they did when they were kids, when they were detectives, the ones they did when they always had like some hot Australian boyfriend and all of that was all under Dual Star Entertainment, which was their parents' company that they had ownership in as well. So they made bank. But this was like their first kind of like grown up venture. And in 2007, I was a freshman in college and I remember them starting this and I was like, yeah, good for them. And Matthew Schneier writes, the row is fashion for those for whom money is no object, but who don't need to look obviously rich, not in the way a Versace blouse looks rich, which is to say aggressively and literally. So it's all kind of subdued, a lot of neutrals, very kind of classic cuts, all very cool. I've actually never owned the row piece and I've never been in the row store. I feel like I've seen their stuff at like off fifth. (laughs) That's like the extent of where I've seen it. And I love this story. This was from an ex-fashion director at Barney's. And she said, uh, you know, she knew it was considered a cool brand, but she didn't know a lot of women who, women who wore it. And then one day a client walked in and bought 30 row sweaters of the same crew neck. She brought everything we had in the company in her size so she would never run out of them. It was $30,000 in crew necks. She realized then that if you're a super wealthy woman in New York, the way we go to Uniqlo, they go to the row. Again, this is like JLo having 250 diptyque candles. I mean, maybe this is literally this person's uniform, but why do you need 30 identical crewnecks? I mean, she's really trying to pull a Steve Jobs up in there. So you may remember that Barney's actually went pretty much belly up in summer of 2019, and they were a huge purveyor of the row. And right after that, the row's president, president left the company, and there was kind of a huge exodus of of it and it started to sort of struggle the Olsons kind of had to come in to take a bigger role and you know this article goes on to talk about how they didn't participate in Fuller House which we actually talked in our deep cut was it last week or the week before and it kind of also goes through I was talking about about dual star entertainment and all of the success they obtained from that and Again, I I had to talk about this because they were some of the first people that had to deal with those creepy ass countdown clocks. And what I'm talking about is before they were 18, people would literally count down until they were going to become 18 so they could more publicly leer at them. 
And they had gross on-air attention from Howard Stern and Connie Chung. They asked in an interview whether they were virgins. And by the time they were at NYU in 2004, which again, I just kind of related to them because they're 34. I said, I'm I'm 32. Like they were, or maybe they're a little older than... That's right. Yeah. So they were, you know, they were college aged around the same time when I was college age. And it was at that time where like, you know, the pictures where they're in like layers and layers of clothing, the big sunglasses, the huge Starbucks cup. And they actually had to or chose to drop out of NYU because as Mary Kay said, learning is not fun if you're not safe. And they were just getting so much tabloid attention at the time. And it really became too much. Um, but in the years since, the row really has become respected in the fashion industry, and it's won multiple CFDAs, which is kind of like the really like respectable fashion award. And uh, <laughs> another thing this article pointed out, and I don't know if this is true, but someone who worked with Mary Kate said that um, she would just like sprinkle her cigarette smoke wherever she went, like, you know, like tap it and let it fall on the ground and say the ash fairy will get it. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, but you guys know, I don't really know what, like, why this article came out now. I think it was just kind of talking about how the row did struggle a little bit during the pandemic and, like, whether it can financially recover from it all. But again, you guys know I always have ulterior motives. And I wanted to talk about this because in the article, it mentioned a 2007 New York Mag article called Hold On to Your Seats Attack of the Fashion Gremlins by Amy LaRocca. This article was published on August 16th, 2007, literally like right as I was starting college. And of course, the author is meeting the Olsen twins in the Chateau Marmont, which is in Beverly Hills. And she meets them one at a time, which I thought was kind of odd. Like, I think it was because they were really trying to establish themselves as not like twins, but as independent people. And I have to read you guys this description of Mary-Kate. Mary-Kate Olsen is a kind of uncanny elfin apparition. She's wearing gobs of eyeliner, platform alligator stiletto heels, and a black wool coat buttoned up to her neck. She looks like a cross between J.T. Leroy, Wednesday Adams, and one of those big-eyed waifs from Margaret Keene paintings. She's fragile and goth, her tiny fingers covered in rings. She's both glamorous and bohemian, eccentric and studied, and once she enters the room, it's sort of impossible to look away. Her look, both an unmistakable mistakable signature and a kind of disguise has been so widely emulated that it's stunning to see the original in action. I mean, it definitely paints a picture. <laughs> and do you guys, did you watch Very Mary Kate? Did you ever see it, Kenzie? On, on YouTube? Yeah. I, <laughs> I feel like this image, prune, potatoes. I feel like this image is like what Very Mary Kate was trying to emulate. I feel like I need to insert a Very Mary Kate no, <laughs> clip. Yeah. My presentation is on the potato famine. The potato famine was when all of Ireland went on the same low-carb diet. No, it wasn't. If you're like me... We're not. You have never seen a potato before. Well, here it is. That's corn. And then the author goes on to write that Mary-Kate and, Mary and Ashley are the rarest of child stars and that they have not grown up ugly, angry, or it seems insane. They've maintained their pre-adolescent adorability with round eyes and faces and little button nose noses, and they've also maintained their mind-boggling fortune. 
Again, I thought this description was something, just how they're described throughout this, I feel like was indicative of the time period because I feel like in 2007, that is kind of pre-peak tabloid frenzy, celebrity culture. Like it was really coming to a head in that time. Like the time leading up to 2009, it was crescendoing. I think there was this feeling that you could just kind of talk about women like they weren't really real people like they weren't there yeah like this to me like this sounds like she's describing a troll doll yeah i mean she the article is titled attack of the fashion gremlins she says an elfin apparition i mean i love the movie gremlins yeah and i would like to be kind of described in an elfin way but yeah not there's something borderline um you look almost like a brat's doll threw up on you like yeah, it's just very strange. It's like those, what were those, were they Skechers commercials or like, there was some ad where the, they had really big heads and like tiny bodies. Candy. Candies. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like the vibe I'm getting. Um, so obviously this article in 2007 was coming out as they were launching the row And she writes, they've just launched the row, a line far more about who they're becoming as adults than who they've been in the eyes of the world for such a long time. And that's what I was saying earlier. Like this really was kind of like they're coming into themselves. And she actually talks about the scrutiny she was under while she was at NYU. And this is another thing. The article says her short-lived NYU career. It's making it sound like she just dropped out because she couldn't hang. It's like, no, she dropped out because like, she couldn't deal with constantly being hounded by fellow students in the tabloids. And she says about her look, I was just trying to stay warm. <laughs> and then and then it says every other starlet was showing oodles of flesh. And here was this little gremlin buried in a massive hat. <laughs> I mean, like what the fuck? I mean, can you imagine being Mary Kay and Ashley and you you agree to be interviewed by New York Mag? And they call you multiple times a gremlin. (laughs) No. When they're like, I have more money than you can ever hope to fucking see in your entire family's generation. Well, I'm sure that's why. I'm sure this is nothing to them. But it makes you understand why maybe they don't give a ton of interviews. Because as the cut article we were talking about that was published current day it specifically noted that they reached out to Olsen twins and they didn't want to comment on the article. I think they've become very protective of their image. And especially now when you have Elizabeth Olsen, who's their sister, she's in WandaVision, having to take this more kind of public facing, currently in the limelight role. I think Mary Kay and Ashley have always wanted to step back from that. Yeah. (sighs) But it was very cute because it ended with Mary-Kate saying, I think my sister would be happy selling it out of the back of her car, coming to like talking about the row and how this really was a lifelong dream of hers, I think, to have her own fashion line. So I thought that was really cute. And I, I wrote a little note to myself that I feel like them starting this fashion line was in a way the beginning of celebrities starting lines that weren't necessarily connected to their name, A, like skincare brands, especially influencers right now. 
like Mariana Hewitt, who does Summer Fridays, uh, Savan Ayla with Tan Lines. You have influencers and celebrities not necessarily attaching their name to their products. And I feel like it is a way of leveraging your audience, but also giving it legitimacy. So I think the row kind of ushered in that and kind of ushered in the beginning of like cool merch because merch used to be so tacky and not saying at all like the row is obviously a fashion line. But I think when celebs started thinking more like critically about, you know, their designs and stuff, like it made it like way more cool. And now merch is super cool. And like, I want all of it. Yeah, unfortunately. Unless you, and well, the worst part is, is even the ugly ass like tour t-shirts are still expensive. I'm like, this ain't cute. Right. I don't want to pay fifty dollars for this. And now you have the irony of like the the vintage merch has become cool, even though at the time it was like so ugly. Oh my god, I know. Now it's just like unironically like, cool. I have a 2003 Vans Warp Tour short. Oh no, I want the vintage Britney tour ones. That, like hers are cool just the first thing. and now urban outfitters like remakes all of them and yeah. prints them on tees anyways all right it's time for that was our deep cut it's time for i think about this a lot ready i'm ready if you are okay so what we think about a lot this was actually also brought up while watching Ginny and georgia which we talked about the whole taylor swift drama uh why is it so often, I mean, I could do a whole episode on the cliches that are in teen television and movies, but one that you cannot escape is bands, teen bands, Battle of the Bands. It's in every freaking one. And I'm like, I'm sorry, did you guys like on the reg go hang out with people in their garage while they played their garage drums? Like, that was not a reality for me. Like, everyone I knew was in freaking band or an orc dork, but they weren't like, you know, rocking out. So, Kenzie, your thoughts? I totally agree with you. Like, the, every time. And I guess, I don't know if it's just, um, like, you know, writers thinking that that's a trope that kids like. Because I guess in a certain way, like, having a quote-unquote cool music taste is kind of defining of you. It's like, oh, well, they may be a wallflower, but, like, they're super cool, actually, because, like, they know the super indie band. Um, But, like, it still is so weird to me. I was trying to think back throughout the time of, like, shows that we had as kids. And, like, for me, the main show that I could think of was Drake and Josh because Drake was the musician, obviously, on Drake and Josh. And um, and there was one more... um, Oh, and then also in Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan, because like there they were and they neither one of them were really like cool. Like they didn't have a ton of like it wasn't like people would hang out with them. But like in Freaky Friday, they like literally play at the House of Blues to like do that Battle of the Bands contest. And then obviously in like Drake and Josh, like Drake eventually like gets a like a record deal. But those are like very defining aspects of them. So I'm like, I wonder is like, did it start from that or was it before? I don't know. I just remember those were mainly like the only two cool bands that I could think of because every other band and every other teen show, I think fucking sucks. Like they're not even that good. Like that's the thing. And everyone's always fawning over them. Yeah. Like I said, in Freaky Friday, that's a movie. They're good. And in Drake and Josh, Drake is good, (laughs) but that's it. Yeah. And these other ones are like, what the fuck is this? And like in Ginny and Georgia, this guy writes a song for Ginny and then they're freaking out because it has like 8,000 views on YouTube and she becomes famous. I'm like, honey, 8,000 views on YouTube. Like that's nothing. I can get that. And I have like a hundred (laughs) subscribers. 
<laughs> yeah, like again, it is just so funny to me how it's it's like we're writing a teenage show. Well, one, they're going to be in their mid-20s, and two, we're going to have a band with mediocre players, but we're going to think that they're the hottest shit. Like, I didn't know anyone in fucking in a fucking band when I was in high school, okay? And I don't think anyone would be considered cool. There were, like, two bands, bands, quote-unquote, that would, like, come together, I think, for, like, the talent show at Satellite. And, like, most of the time it was just kind of like, this is kind of weird. I think maybe they insert this as like a plot device because it shows that the person is kind of cool, but also kind of fringe, but also creative. That's what I mean. That, that's what I was like. It's the whole like teenagers basing a lot of their personality on their music type. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So maybe we've cracked the the reason why, but it still doesn't make a it's ton of sense to me. It's not realistic. <laughs> It was like we were also talking about how in teen dramas, how the parents always just waltz on school grounds. And I'm like, you have to get a visitor's pass. In what world can your mom just be like, hi, Andrew, I'm here to like talk to you in between class. No. Pick you up. Like, that's not how it works. No, that's not how it works at all. All right, guys, I think we've reached our legit shit for the day. And that is a Weston pasta maker. Now, if you have a KitchenAid, you can buy one of those fancy attachments. And I do have a KitchenAid, but those cost like over $100. So I don't have one of those. But what I am linking costs $35. And then you can make your own pasta at home with just some flour and eggs. I mean, that is magic. If there is magic on the world, I think it exists partially in pasta making. Kinsey and I made some this past week. It was like our thinnest fettuccine yet. Because that's like the thing. You have to get it really thin. And we're actually going to put out a YouTube video of making it, hopefully sometime soon, maybe by like next week. And it's just a very therapeutic, nice thing. And you can make yourself a fancy sauce. And then when you eat it, you just feel so proud of yourself. Kinsey's nodding her head. She agrees. I hope you guys... Yes, it is. uh, Yes. And again, something our grandma got for us. I'm sorry I've been sharing a lot of kitchen stuff lately, but that's just been the hobby lately. That's been the vibe. I hope you guys liked this episode and I will see you next week. Bye.